Hello and welcome once again to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. Now Hong Kong has a very different history to most of the rest of China and is listed in Australia's census as a separate country of birth, distinct from the People's Republic of China. The first language of much of the population is Cantonese and many Hong Kongers have been raised and schooled in a hybrid English-Chinese system. Anthony, who's my guest for this episode, is one such, and his family came to Tasmania in the 90s, around the time Hong Kong was being handed from British to Chinese rule. And they essentially came for reasons of faith, as you will hear more about. And although Anthony went to high school in Tasmania and has spent much of his life here, he still retains a good part of his Chinese cultural identity. And I thought it would be interesting to talk to him from the perspectives of someone who understands both cultures and has experienced both uh, during a period in Tasmania's uh, migrant history when the Chinese uh, migrant and student population here has risen exponentially. So uh, my family came to uh, Tasmania in 1997, straight from Hong Kong, a uh, very different place than, Ho- uh, than Hobart. The reason we came was because of our, our religious belief. And uh, we had um, a Buddhist teacher who is residing, who had been residing in Hobart since 1989. And um, the Buddhist teacher convinced us to come over and uh, be part of the religion and learn uh, learn the religion in proximity in closer proximity mm-hmm. um, that helps us with uh, understanding religion and uh, that's primarily my my parents decision to come over here yeah and th- that's why we came and how did they hear about or how did they know about this guy in Tasmania oh um, they met the Buddhist teacher back in in Hong Kong or in China. There was like a session of you know treating treating illnesses with the Buddhist Buddhist way uh, mm-hmm. back in nineteen eighty. Well, is the end near the end of the eighties, and also back then in in China there was a lot of um, promotion about different healing methods. Okay, not necessarily Buddhist. Put press Buddhist Buddhism back then was a little bit forbidden. Really, mm-hmm. uh, religion is, but. They, there was a big exploration into um, uh, kind of kind of miraculous way or, or non-traditional way of healing mm-hmm. um, because I think back then there was a big focus on looking for something beyond our current understanding. Yeah. But I mean, all along the way in human history, we always want to understand more than what we really understand on, on that surface level, on that level. And mm-hmm. we try to... Uh, increase our understanding of the nature and um, but back then there was like a huge focus on like this non-conventional way of healing and also the unexplained phenomena in the nature that kind of thing that's that's interesting that something like that would happen in or, or, or trigger someone or appeal to someone in hong kong where nature is maybe not so close to you. Yeah, um, surprisingly, if we talk about nature, Hong Kong does actually have big, well, we don't call that national parks, but equivalent to national parks in Hong Kong. Oh, like nature reserves. Yes. So there are actually a lot of walking tracks around Hong Kong mm-hmm. because Hong Kong in a way is similar to Hobart. It's very hilly, very terrainous, and you can see most of the population actually lived around the uh, waterfront or coastal area. 
and that's why land is so in, so much in shortage. You see a lot of the buildings, even skyscrapers, or we don't call them skyscrapers in Hong Kong, but they are also about like twenty something floors high. Mm-hmm. But they are actually built on like uh, the side of the hill, which is bizarre, you know. Yeah. Even sometimes when I go back looking at them, um, it looks bizarre. It's like imagine you have a you have a twenty story building on the side of uh, Mount Stewart or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen pictures of all the uh, high rise, high rises sort of settled in this kind of like amphitheater almost. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so um, yeah, in that way, uh, I think Hobart has a has a tendency of building suburbs around around the Derwent, mm-hmm. um, and also the coastal area. Um, same for Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But again, as I said, the nature is actually quite unique in hong kong i mean they have like i think they have like uh hexagonal uh rock rock formation somewhere uh in the islands and there are actually hundreds i think about 90 something or hundreds of islands around hong kong as well which is sparsely or not populated at all so when you came to australia you were 12 something uh like? 10 10 okay so pretty young what what do you remember about your sort of first times in or what are your first memories of tasmania my first memory was uh tasmania was cooler obviously a lot cooler uh, a lot slower in terms of pace of life and if we want to buy something say a pair of sneakers is a bit hard because you know especially back then How was it adjusting to school at that time? Did you in Hong Kong? Did you um, were you schooled in English or or Chinese or both? I went to a English uh, kindergarten, mainly English speaking, but we also have Chinese language. Uh, then I went to a mainly Chinese language primary school, but we also teach. Well, they also taught um, English over there. So I mean. English and Chinese kind of always exist mm-hmm. uh, in either way, but sometimes it's like whether you have English as the main language or the Chinese as the main, main language, yeah. When you arrived, were you reasonably okay with the language or did it take uh, time to adjust to Australian English? Oh, um, I think for me it's hard because I'm very shy and I'm a very, very slowly I adapt to a new environment very very slowly okay yeah so uh, to a new school to a new society which is terrible thing i will i really envy people that could you know just mix in right away that kind of thing and and, uh being sociable and have a social circle makes life a lot more easier and more comfortable honestly yeah so um language wise i can speak Mm -hmm. but to gain confidence took me a long long time yeah, just to speak like really fluently and be able to express myself, tell a joke. That yeah. kind of is a lot of uh, slow steps for me. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could, you know, uh, bunch it up and just master it right away. But, you know. What do you think was the most challenging thing for you to adjust to or to get used to? I think uh, being a shy person is to slowly change my first instinct to avoid people mm-hmm. and to put trust into other people yeah and trust people that they they have good intentions in their heart and they naturally are there to help you okay 
Interesting. And um, I guess also back uh, in the the late 90s, I guess that you were at school, uh, there wouldn't have been so many uh, Asian people at school. Um, Surprisingly, I had, like, I went to Taruna. Okay. uh, Taruna High School. And I think we had about 32 international students during my years there. there. Uh, Maybe there was an odd Norwegian student, but otherwise they're all Asians. Thai, Chinese. During my years in Hutchins, I think we also had about 30 uh, Asian students over there. And um, was it easy to mix with uh, other students? I do notice the Asian students kind of kind of tend tends to group together themselves mm-hmm. you have one one or two odd ones that are really good at you know speaking like the locals or they can mimic the locals how the, how the australians speak and they can mix in very well you know make jokes and have fun mm-hmm. I, I envy that <laughs> <laughs> yeah again i think it's the uh it's up to people to attempt to break that ice yeah. and cross that kind of uh, threshold of of you know being you or us and you, uh, you people, our people, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's important to to attempt it. I think because I think once you do it a few times, you get a lot more comfortable, and and it makes a huge difference to your experience in say a new place. And, and say for example, for a local like me, because I'm not international students from the get go it it does wonder for the long run because ultimately i want to a, a person like me want to immerse in the local culture and get to know people uh whereas international students they want to take a take an authentic full experience back to their country you know mm-hmm. you don't want to go spend like 20 dollars uh or ten thousand dollars per year at, at school then you go back and barely learn about the culture yeah i think which is a shame if you if you that if that happens yeah what did you do after high after you finished high school so after grade 12 i started working at my family's dental practice and that was uh from 2005 until pretty much you can say i'm still working there but uh from last year onwards since i uh enrolled in university didn't have much time yeah so yeah yeah, so that's why I done last year at the end of uh, during during the summer holidays. I uh, applied for a job. I applied for jobs uh, so that I could, you know, f- f- kind of further my understanding of my university studies. So I applied for 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 jobs in the geology mining this industry. Yeah, got a job, uh, which was very interesting. Bit hard for me physically, very physically demanding, and you work in very remote places. And then afterwards, the border opened, border op- opening in mid-December. Gradually, some of our staff got infected, uh, got infected as well, and they mm-hmm. had to quarantine, and I have to come back. Yeah, and I also work with work for my uh, a friend's restaurant as well. At the time you came to Tasmania and sort of in the 90s um did you was there much of a chinese community around at the time not much really yeah uh not many chinese were not many chinese were around uh i think when i go onto the street probably even until about eight nine years ago mm-hmm. when i see a chinese person on the street my eyes would just 
um, kind of, you know, we just, you know, I, I just get surprised. I'll be like, wow, we have a nation. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not very often you feel like uh, you, you see many Asians around, especially in town, maybe a lot more in Sandy Bay. There, there's a Chinese community that's in North Hobart. I think back then they had a few spas events happening, but not much happened. Yeah. But uh, I think about 10 years ago, things got a lot more with the Chinese population a lot larger than before. And I think the awareness of uh, different cultures and also the effort to drive more events in Hobart, I do notice a lot more uh, events, even hosted by our Buddhist community or other Chinese commun communities. Yeah. So there was uh, like a plethora of Chinese communities doing events. So then add them together, you have a lot. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of nice, but also hectic. Yeah, I, I'm very involved in the Buddhist community. Uh, in, in the last 20 odd years, we have done a lot of uh, events. Mm -hmm. So like the Buddha birthday, which is a big run, big one on the Buddhist calendar every year. And uh, we had done the Christmas pageant every year. We will have the dragon dance and the lion dance and also some cultural costumes uh, in the parade. Uh, we have the Chinese New Year celebration. So we'll go to other uh, Chinese communities events to perform the lion dance or the dragon dance. And then we have our own like dinner as well with our friends. We used to have the Mid-Autumn Festival uh -huh. um, celebration as well. So you can see that our, our, our calendar would be pretty, pretty full during the year. Uh, we also have a meditation class as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you find that local people get involved with this as well or show interest? Yes, to some degree. Yes, mm. yes. Um, I think our focus would be more on events and cultural uh, promotion. So getting to know, getting people to know the Chinese culture because for our Buddhist uh, tradition is very much involved in the Chinese culture side of things. Uh, it's very integrated. So the religious and the cult culture. So... We just have like Chinese lion dance and dragon dance in a, a way to promote the uh, Chinese culture side of things. Yeah. But which back then was, I mean, still to this day, sometimes we meet with some young people on the street or on the flights and they say they have seen our lion dance or dragon dance when they were in the primary school years, okay. which is quite uh, surprising and nice. Because I guess that, especially in recent years, that um, in Australia, there, there's, how to put it, maybe a, a mix of misunderstanding and suspicion of Chinese. It's probably more related to the Chinese government. So it's probably, it's important to remind people that there's a whole other, there are so many more aspects to Chinese culture yeah that's true i mean in the last five uh, or seven eight years we note we do notice a lot more uh, animosity and mm -hmm. particularly targeting the chinese whereas before that maybe you can you can get egged at some odd times just because people uh, have nothing to do or they just want to vent their anger or frustration uh, but now in the last seven years or eight years it's very targeted Mm. towards the uh, Chinese, yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes you can't tell between a Chinese, a Japanese, or Korean. 
So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone or, gets a bit. Yeah, or Malaysian or Thai, Vietnamese. Uh, some locals have no idea, but they shouldn't be targeting anyone anyway. Yes. Um, I remember 2002, it was the World Cup mm-hmm. at Korea, the Korea-Japan World Cup. Uh, and we came back, got off the bus in town, and some guy just yelled at us, like, Korea! And, and we were like, we are not Koreans. <laughs> <laughs> but Korea did very well. Yeah. Uh, South Korea did very well at yeah. that tournament. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was saying it is a good thing? I think so, yeah. <laughs> but we were just like, you know, we are not Koreans. <laughs> yeah. moment so what what sort of activities are you, you involved with with the um buddhist community here a lot with the line dance mm-hmm. um currently i mean with the pandemic that means we have a lot of uh events and activities cancelled um for the last two years there were no christmas pageants in hobart last year we did a few christmas party which is a lot smaller in scale uh in greater hobart mm-hmm. like in brighton or bridgewater in the past, we had we had Oatlands, we had New Norfolk, Hobart, and uh, Bridgewater. Yeah, oh, so, so four four Christmas parades in <laughs> in in one month or two months. Yeah, so getting all over the place. Yes, it gets it gets very busy. And uh, how how is it received in somewhere like Oatlands or Bridgewater? They're very welcoming, actually. Mm-hmm. The last time we went, which was last Christmas some mother saw us walking by and she said oh you have the you have the line dancers coming you know talking to her kids and saying oh you really like them do you remember and yeah so then we we did a performance so i think we're very well received Mm. uh oatlands is is a uh unique place it's part of the southern midlands council area and we have a large temple uh, plant to be built over there okay. at Campania. Have you seen the big statues over there? I don't think I've been to Campania for a while, I think. They've been there since 2016. Yeah, I've seen pictures. Yeah. So yeah. you can drive by when you have time, Tree yeah. Road, you'll see them. Yeah. Oh. Five meters tall, large stone lines and seven meters tall, the four heavenly diva. Yeah. They're kind of like the statues usually in front of a temple. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what's the what's the significance of those statues actually? Oh, they are they are more like the protectors. Mm-hmm. The protectors, yeah. So the main temple complex usually happens after them. <laughs> How have you got to know locals, I guess? I guess sometimes you have to defeat defeat your own instinct. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you want to be lazy. But you tell yourself you have to get yourself organized. Otherwise, you'll be spending a lot of time stuck doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's how you commit to things. Like, I was, sometimes I would be like, in the past few years, when I'm engaged with work, sometimes busy, sometimes not so busy. I'll enroll myself into some courses. You can be easy, you can be hard. But having something like on the horizon, you have time, you have deadlines and things drives you to commit to it and get a qualification or something yeah so i think that's the same for meeting people like sit next to people that you don't know if you feel like that person is hostile then probably not sit next to them (laughs) but if you feel like they are 
semi-friendly, yeah, go ahead. Sit next to them and just start the conversation. Doesn't have to be very deep. Just say hi. And uh, what I found was um, after a few classes, you gra- gradually know each other a little bit more. You don't have to be like the best friend kind of relationship, but you just get to know them and um, see how it goes. You know, exchange Instagram. <laughs> it's friend. It's it's funny. I I do notice recently people instead of exchanging Facebook, they will be exchanging Instagram. Um, not sure why. And uh, yeah, recently I have a group project that actually makes people know each other a lot better as well. Yeah, and you see people in full view in a way, like their work commitment and their work ethics. And uh, group project? Do you mean group project for work or for study? For study. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because often at uni, yeah, you've got to do these. Yeah, I think it's a way. It's a good way to um, to learn how to work with people. Yeah, but like in my experience of teaching at the uni, I found often that can be quite challenging for Chinese students in particular because it's not something that they've um, learnt or, or experienced in their education. Yes, I think it's hard. Um, like I, I have, I have recently. A friend interviewed me for her uh, IT project. Mm-hmm. Like that's her assignment. The whole whole group is Chinese people, uh-huh. and they can speak Chinese among amongst them. They can speak Chinese with me, and uh, I think that unfortunately takes away a bit away from the uh, Australian learning experience. Yeah, and sometimes the best. The best learning experience is throwing yourself into somewhere unknown. Yeah. Uh, so meeting un- people that you don't know how they will react, or throw yourself in a place that you don't know how yourself will react, and that that way you have you you learn something uh, surprising about yourself. Yeah, I think you've got to be a bit uncomfortable sometimes because if you're not uncomfortable or out of your comfort zone, you don't really learn anything new. Yes, like you'll so. be doing your own routine all the time, the same routine. Yeah, yeah. It's easy, e- much easier to, s- much easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And would it be fair to say that um, generally Chinese culture or, or Chinese tend to be more introspective and more a little bit more introverted? Some of the group work can often be quite challenging. Maybe I cannot say it for all Chinese because I've been here for so long. I'm, <laughs> I'm. I'm a hybrid or yeah. I'm a different one already. I think the challenge comes from the fact that when you're faced with someone who you have not break the ice with, mm-hmm. when you still have that kind of fail in between you and them, when you have a you and them, it's very hard. It takes effort to break that wall mm-hmm. and it takes time to know how to speak with the other group in a meaningful way. So that, that that's what make going to a new place hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to learn the way of speaking, which is huge, which is one of the biggest issue. Communication and expectation uh, is a big thing. They could be a totally normal law-abiding citizen in their own home country but if they come to australia people will be saying you're not doing the right thing because there's some subtle differences and uh, that little differences could lead to big issues sometimes yeah Yeah. Um, so i think i think maybe 
it's natural that the Chinese people would want to mingle around their own people, although I think that that defeats the purpose of coming to Australia. I think in East Asia, unfortunately, we do have those countries' views the Southeast Asia as less developed. We do have a lot of domestic helpers in Hong Kong. They're from Philipp- Philippines, from Indonesia, and some from Thailand. When you have a employer and employee relationship there, you tend to be like, "Oh, we are we are the high class," you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And you come from the poorer country and. That kind of thing, yeah. But again, I think it's very important to all people around the world to know that、um, there are all sorts of people around each country and each society. You have very rich, very literate, very educated people in、yeah. Philippines or Indonesia. Yeah.、Uh, same as from Hong Kong and China, and even in Hong Kong, you have a lot of beggars on the street, and you have people struggling every day. Their whole living space is just you know the size of your bed. And that's everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, because I guess you have the issue in in、um, Hong Kong. It's been very densely populated, so livable space is at a at a premium. Yes. So some people's whole living space is the size of your toilet, basically. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which is or just the size of your bed, and、uh, those are illegal accommodations. Because the it's unsafe, it's against the fire code, I think. Yeah. But sometimes people just don't have any choice, and they're not cheap either. Yeah, because I imagine real estate in Hong Kong is pretty expensive. Yeah. Um. There was a there was American, I think, told his friend in Hong Kong. Uh. Like, he explains he explained to his fellow Americans, say you put a hundred dollar American bill on the ground,、mm. that piece of The the space occupied that by that one hundred dollar U.S. note、mm. worth more than that hundred dollar bill. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's Hong Kong. So, having spent a fair bit of time in both both places, what are what do you think are some of the main cultural differences between here and、um, Hong Kong? There's so much. So many. Say, for example, as a Hong Konger,、um, we do have very limited trust on people.、Okay. I think that's same for a lot of the metropolitan cities. Say, if you go to New York, you'll be naturally very suspicious of people.、Mm-hmm. They, you, you get pickpocketed very easily. You get scammed or you get tricked very easily.、Uh, sometimes people may just want to get a few dollars out of you. Okay. You know that kind of thing, so you become very、uh, suspicious naturally. Even in the last many years, or even now, sometimes I do have that instinct of very being very guarded, which is which is hard. You know, you live in a very you live in fear. What I do notice about Hobartians, or even say if you go to Melbourne or Sydney, they are noticeably more trustful of people. They they would you know they would smile at you. They would assume that you are not tricking them, and they would say if you buy something, they would they would say even if you return something, they would just say、uh, they assume you are you are doing it out of honesty, and they would refund or or return or exchange for a product, no problem. Yeah, which is a good thing, I think.
in the past few hundred years, the political center or the capital of the country is in the north, in Beijing. So when you have people around the political center, people tend to have a different way of doing things and a different view of the world than the people very far from the capital or the political center. So Hong Kong people have a very different view of the world to the people in, say, uh, on the East Coast, on the Northeast, on the South, on, on the Northwest, or the Beijing. So what is it that might distinguish Hong Kong from other places? Like about the, maybe about the people. Is there anything particularly distinctive? Hong Kong people, there's so, so many of them. Uh, I'll, I'll say we view the world in a more, from our own lens, mm-hmm. from our own glasses. We will, we will feel the world as in like, we're happy to work. We're happy to work hard, very, very hard, mm-hmm. like a lot of the Chinese, uh, Hong Kong people do. But there are certain ways that allows us to perform at that level. If things doesn't go right, it's very hard to satisfy that. Even no matter how hardworking you are, it just doesn't happen. I do think that sometimes it takes a person to go to another place to see the world in a different way. Mm. And I myself, because during my work, sometimes it, get, it gets really boring mm-hmm. in the past. I would read a lot of like Time Magazine or Economists or different things on the internet, you know, since internet becomes so uh, rich of resources. Of course, you have to be careful. You have to be careful of what you're reading. Say for example, from when I was in Hong Kong, uh, I was kind of being bullied sometimes. You have to be really street smart sometimes in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was not a street smart person at all. So you get bullied a little bit, got, get call names. Calling names is a big thing in Hong Kong. And sometimes the nicknames are half funny and half insulting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more insulting than funny, usually. <laughs> and uh, once you do something silly, you get remember for that you know yeah. uh, but when I was in primary school or kindergarten I think I just you just can't remember you just kind of just go out there and make friends but once you become a bit more self-conscious like myself stepping into my teen teenage years and my 20s and my 30s for me it's my teenage years that was so self-conscious mm-hmm. which really does not help at all but I think at the end of the day, I've been recently keep reminding myself like, it's because I'm still shy. Sometimes you still like you have this self-conscious thing going on like, oh, what, how would people think about me? That kind of thing. But at the end of the day, uh, you have to remember that people would actually, other people would actually think about themselves more than about you. So they don't have time to think about you. So you might look silly or whatever. Mm. But in fact, you are the person that think about yourself most so try to not to think about yourself but try to think of the situation and think about the others and um, for myself in the 20s and my 30s i try to break that very extreme shyness which kind of helps a little bit now i would say uh being in my 30s i would say recently i'll be like taking it slow you know most of the time say at class you'll be remember you're there to learn so spend most of your time learning demonstrate yourself 
don't demonstrate to others that you are serious about studying. You're a hard worker. You're not there to muck around, but uh, have some chit chat with some people. You know, you don't have to go deep. Yeah. Say something about your past. Like I went to that school. You know, I've been playing with sport with you know school f- people from your school. You know, I've been around this area and I saw something funny. You know,、uh, the kind of stories would would break the ice a lot easier. If you were giving advice to、um, someone from Hong Kong who might be thinking, or, or China, wherever, who might be thinking to come and settle in Tasmania, what do you think are the most important things that they should know about Tasmania? If they are settling in Hobart, Tasmania, I think is to、uh, discard, be readily discard some of the old presumptions,、uh, say for their career. And how people do things, and how people talk and communicate. Be ready to. People actually love, even me as a as a Chinese person or Hong Konger, a former Hong Konger,、uh, like to see people put in the effort to merge or immerse themselves in a culture because、mm-hmm. effort means something nice would come up. But if you don't put in the effort, very rarely you have something nice will come up. Yeah, so I think it's very important to put in the time and effort to、uh, to learn the local customs and and、mm-hmm. chat with people. You know,、uh, you go to f- go to a few mu- music festival.、Uh, not necessarily get yourself drunk and crazy, but you know, you know, do something like that. Get yourself involved with、um, local things. If you're a guy, try to get a Australian girlfriend or something. <laughs> If you're a girl, try to get a Australian boyfriend or something.、Yeah. That will make a lot of difference in knowing the culture. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but easier said than done, probably. <laughs> yeah,、um, I do notice a lot more cross-culture couples recently, though. Yeah,、mm. um, on the streets, maybe it's a good thing. In a way, some parents may not approve it, right?、Um, or maybe they do, they do. But in Melbourne or Sydney, I think that will be a very daily occurrence. It's nothing surprising at all. But in Hobart, it's a bit rare, still. Yeah, well, as you said, it's only fairly recently that we've got a you know last twenty years we've got a sizable Chinese population, and even then it's much smaller as not in just in numbers but as a proportion compared to Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, yeah, any, any, any of the capitals. Yeah,、um, I think、uh, some of the like. The Chinese students would be thinking like, if things work out, I will stay here. If things work out in a way that I got my PR permanent、mm. residency, then I'll then I'll just move to Sydney or Melbourne or Queensland, a bit more warmer. But then, if things doesn't work out, they may go back to China. That、mm. kind of thing is the trajectory is long and is hard to predict sometimes. Yeah. But I think、um, getting yourself involved in some way, like some society, and surround yourself with the local culture is the quickest.、Uh, with local people is the quickest way to learn. Yeah, I think that's really important for longevity of settlement in Tasmania. More than in, I mean, you can stay in Sydney, Melbourne, and stay within your community, the Chinese community, or whatever. It's not just Chinese. Many ethnic communities that they're they're big enough in the cities where you can have that support. Network. Yeah, I I think at the end of the day, it's about learning new things.、Um, you come to Australia and learn, and you make yourself more ca- capable.、Yeah. English is still a very important language around the world. If you can speak a good lang-、uh, some good English, 
is very useful. Even if you go back to China, you can teach people, and、uh, it's lucrative as、yeah. well. You know, if you want to teach English in China, good job, good money. If you come to Australia and、uh, not learn much English, I think you're doing yourself a disservice、mm-hmm. because that means when you want to do something in English, you'll find yourself being、uh, very restricted in a way. And I think it's good to learn 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 English. And、um, I mean, you can retain your own culture, you can retain your own customs, no problem. But yeah, learn new things is. 